0: I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ, I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. I sing the song of triumph till I'm there I run for the crown, I race for the prize I press toward the upward call of God I run for the crown, I race for the prize I press toward the upward call of God I fight with all my might to keep on living for the prize I know there is a glorious end song. With the crown of victory I shall wear, so I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize,
1: I press toward the upward call of God. 17, 18, 19, 20. Ready or not, here I come. You ever heard that before? I mean, maybe it's been a while for you. I mean, in my household, we hear that pretty often because my kids, they like to play hide and seek. And you probably know that, you know, that's what you say. I don't know if you count to 20 or whatever, but whatever the, the number is that you, you count to, you count to that number, and then the person who is hunting for everybody else, who is who is looking for them, is says the phrase, ready or not, here I come. Now, have you ever been hiding? And then heard that from maybe off in a distance and you realize oh I'm not ready and then you know you try to hide but of course that hiding place that you find in the last few moments is never going to be as good as if you had actually used that time that you had however many seconds or or however long y'all had agreed upon in order to use that time properly to be ready for that time now you know we, we probably all can can tell about these different memories and, and I don't know about you but like I actually kinda feel that that feeling of of kind of uh, not being ready whenever you hear that sound because I was never very good at hiding because I would always think oh well that could be a good place or that could be a good place you know and I I think oh well that could be good or that could be good but then I never settle down on something and just say that is good and just stick with it and, and do that and, and go with that one and so then whenever I would hear that sound I would kind of have that feeling in my chest and be like, I'm not ready. You know, a little bit more time. I just wanted a little bit more time. But what I want us to think about is something a lot more serious than just playing that game. Because, yes, that game, you might not be ready whenever that time is. But, you know, ready or not, the time is over. The person who is finding is starting to come right then. But let's take a look at a passage in Scripture that is a lot more serious than this. In Matthew chapter 24, we're going to be looking at verses 36 through 44. Now I will just go ahead and tell you this, that this is by no means the whole passage right here that, that we've got. Now, this is just kind of a little section of this passage. I mean, this whole passage, if you really want to look at it, you look at at least the chapter before this and the chapter after it, and then you get some sense, at least all of 24 and 25, and you get some sense of what all is going on right there. Because it goes back to some of these questions that have already been addressed to Jesus. They start asking, them, uh, they start asking him some questions about, well, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? And, and all these other things, and they come down to it, And Jesus, in the midst of his explanation, he is using that as an opportunity to teach them something wonderful. So in Matthew 24, we get to this wonderful thing, and that's what I want us to focus on. Verses 36 through 44. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Now, uh, there's a lot of uh, to this passage, of course, and there might even be several people who uh, watch this video who uh, you might have a little bit different belief on this than, than what I do. I just ask that you kind of hear me out and also... What I want us to see is um, kind of some possibilities of what this passage could mean to us. Because I think even if we don't understand all the specifics here and there, we still can understand what's going on here. We still understand the important parts that, that apply to us. Now, what I'm stating uh, specifically about right here is there's three main interpretations for what this this passage is talking about. Now, I know in verse 39, I mean, in, anybody could read that last verse right there, that that last Um, sentence, that that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. But what does that mean, the coming of the Son of Man? Now, I I am one who, uh, I believe that uh, first and foremost, what Jesus was actually talking about here um, was an event that happened during that that generation that he was talking to. And it was the destruction of Jerusalem. Everything um, kind of was destroyed around them. Because if you look at, especially Luke's um, parallel of this uh, in his gospel, whenever he writes about it, um, he starts giving us a little bit more hints about how these armies are going to be surrounding Jerusalem and, and all these things. And all of those come down to the point when that happened was in 70 AD, Jerusalem was dist- was uh, surrounded and it was destroyed and the temple was destroyed. And, and life as you know, kind of they all knew it, was going to be completely different. And I believe that's what Jesus is talking about right here. because everybody thought that, oh, everything's just going to continue on. And it's going to be great and, and, and wonderful. Uh, But but it wasn't. It wasn't because judgment had been pronounced upon this this generation right here. And the judgment was that they had not been acting the way that God would want them to be. The temple was not what it was supposed to have been during this time. And because of that, God is going to take it away just as he did in previous generations. We see that this had already happened before. The temple had already been destroyed and had been rebuilt. It was already called the second temple because it had to be rebuilt because of disbelief and Jesus was speaking to a a generation that was in disbelief that's why he also compared it to the days of Noah and we see uh, we see that connection right there Um, now before I get too much into the Noah thing let me back up because I've only talked about one possibility what this passage is talking about and that is the temple being destroyed in 70 AD Uh, I believe that that is first and foremost what Jesus is talking about which is interestingly enough um, typically not even on the table for what what most people talk about when they look at this but that when you look at how Jesus introduces this I believe it fits uh, pretty close to what he's talking about now there's also other interpretations of this though did you know that throughout history Christians have taken this passage to actually be referring to the time of of one person's death like you know your own death that you don't know whenever that time is going to come and I didn't even know that honestly until I kind of started looking a little bit more into this passage, and I I found that out. But I didn't know that was historically what people even took this passage. I don't know really why you would why you would take this passage under that uh, uh, with that interpretation, but uh, some people have. But I do think there's still even something we can learn about that because some of the applications of it that still apply. But we'll kind of get to that one when, when we get to it. Uh, the third thing. That, uh, that some people believe that this passage is talking about is kind of the end of this age. You know, the, the end of time as we know it pretty much, you know, the, the final end. Maybe you would uh, call it the judgment day or the day of the Lord, something along those lines. Um, that's how people have taken this passage. Now, I think there's also, you know, a lot that can be stated about that. Uh, but I think there's a lot we can learn about that final day of judgment when we look at even like Noah as well or any other day of the lord or any other previous time that that god has pronounced judgment upon his people or someone who is who has been unfaithful when he pronounces judgment um, that's a day of the lord it's described in the scriptures in the old testament especially is that and noah uh, lived during one of those times that the lord was so disappointed in his people and in, in his creation that he decided to destroy it all in a flood if you go back and you you look and compare in verses 37 and and following right here in Matthew 24 and you compare that to uh, Genesis chapter 6 7 8 and 9 pretty much that that's where the story of Noah mainly takes place but when you especially look at Genesis 6 you see so many of these parallels are showing up that yes during the days of Noah people were they were just going about their everyday business they were marrying and they were they were doing all of these things and they were just living their own lives the way that they wanted to live them and in fact you'll read things like the lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil uh, all the time that's what we read in genesis 6 5 but thankfully we see verse 8 but noah found favor in the eyes of the lord and we see that noah stood up in his generation to be a man who was full of faith a man who is going to follow the Lord in difficult times. And that is a lesson that we can learn, just as in the days of Noah. Yes, what Jesus is talking about here is there's going to be times whenever people are just kind of going about their everyday business, doing whatever they want to be doing, up until the time whenever this time comes, this coming of the Son of Man, as he is describing it right here. He mentions these two men are going to be in a field, and one's going to be taken, one's going to be left. Two women grinding at the mill, one's going to be taken, the other left. And I know that this has even kind of sparked the whole book series and, and all that uh, that people like to, to read. But really, when you look at this passage, I'm not so sure that this doesn't fit exactly what happened during the days of the flood. Because when you look in verse 39, whenever the flood came and it took them all away. It's the same as how it's going to be with the coming of the Son of Man, that two people are going to be in a field. One's going to be taking the other's left. Uh, don't focus so much on which one's right and which one's wrong, because um, th- that's not as important. The important thing is, two people are going to be really close, right there, in a field together. Two women are going to be grinding at, at a handmill. I mean, they're going to be like rubbing elbows, and there's going to be a division that takes place. Don't worry so much about which one's faithful, which one's not faithful. I don't think that has hardly anything to do with it. What it has to do with is there's this division that takes place. There's the dividing up. And there's this separation between them that takes place. Just like in the days of Noah, there was a separation between good and evil. That's not our job to do that. God's going to do that. Let him take care of that. But there is something for us to do. That comes to us in verse 42. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know at what day your Lord will come." Now this idea about keeping watch that does not just mean to well stay awake and and be alert it does mean that but it means so much more than that because you know he also starts talking about how if uh, if someone's house was going to be broken into well that person would keep watch and make sure their house doesn't get broken into so this about keeping watch It means a little bit more than just, oh, well, staying up and just being alert. It's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more active there. And we see, especially in verse 44, So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. Remember how I started this lesson, right? Ready or not, here I come. Whether or not you are ready, the Lord is coming. Now, for some people, for the generation that Jesus was speaking to, The Lord came and pronounced judgment in 70 AD and destroyed the temple of of Jerusalem because of their wickedness, because of their unfaithfulness. Yes, but, you know, that's not the only time that something like that had happened. We also see that really for most of of people throughout life, what happens to them is they, they live their life and at some point or another, we don't know when any of our times is going to be up, but at some point or another, death will come. That comes into that second interpretation of this passage, that death is meant by this. Well, we can definitely learn we've got to keep watch. We have to be ready because we don't know whenever we might die. We don't know what the future is going to hold. Now, that third thing, that final judgment day, that final end of time as we know it, the end of the age. Well, we most certainly can see that that will happen for a generation. I don't know when. Could be ours. Could be the next one. Could be thousands of years down the road. We don't know. And it doesn't really matter either. What matters is, are we, right here, right now, during our present time, are we willing to keep watch? Are we willing to learn from previous history like the days of Noah? And are we willing to be ready? Because we don't know when the Son of Man is going to come. He's going to come, and we're going to be a little surprised, obviously. But we can still be ready. Even if you're surprised, you can still be ready. All three of the interpretations that come to this, and maybe there's more as well, I don't know, but I only know of really those three. But all three of those can teach us something, that we need to be paying attention during our own time. That takes us to another passage. Now let's turn our focus to Romans chapter 13 verses 11 through 14. You'll see quite a few similarities between these two passages. But here, Paul is speaking to the, the, uh, the Romans and he says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of the darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is what we are called to do. We're called to understand our present time. Do you understand your present time? More importantly than that, just just understanding it, do you do something about that? Do you realize that yes, we are closer to the final day of salvation than any generation before us has ever been. And we're closer now than whenever we first believed. We even have a song that we kind of sing about that, don't we? Well, that song gets it from this passage right here. We also see that at verse 12, yes, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So what do we do about that? Let's put aside the deeds of darkness. Let's get rid of our sinfulness, rid of our darkness, rid of our of all that has been our from our past. And let's put on the armor of light. Now, specifically, you might be wondering, well, what does that mean? Well, verse 14 tells us, to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be. We don't need to behaving in all these different types of immorality and and and, and all. We need to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to share one more, just brief passage with you. Because when you look at what he is, is telling us right here, to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one other passage in the Bible that I've found. I, this is the only one that I, I could find that connects with um, clothing and uh, Jesus. And that actually has to do with this next one that we're gonna look at. In Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter three, verses 26 through 29, we read exactly what that means, to clothe ourselves with Christ and what that looks like. In Galatians 3, 26 through 29, We read this once again from the Apostle Paul. He says, So in Christ Jesus you were all children of God through faith, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He tells us in verse twenty seven. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. If you listen to that about, well, we'll put on Christ, you know, clothe yourself in Christ, what does it even mean? Well, he says it right here, that if you've been baptized into Christ, you've clothed yourselves with Christ. You've covered yourself with Christ. I mean, that makes sense because baptism, what the word being baptized or baptism has to do with is being covered, being immersed, fully, fully covered. And clothing covers us, doesn't it? Clothing yourselves with Christ being baptized with Christ. It all comes down to this is what it means to follow Christ Have you completely submerged every part of your life? Into Christ and allowed him to take over That's what it means to keep watch That's what it means to pay attention That's what it means to be ready Because at some point or another Yeah, we're not exactly going to hear it like this, but you've heard this before. Ready or not, here I come. At some point, Jesus is going to come. Are you ready for that day? Ready, Lord, ready, Lord.
0: I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. Will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. Lord. I I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Master comes today, Will I be in or cast away? And will He find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready Lord ready Lord, I be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose delay, Will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready ready for the judgment day.